yeah, last time I was on the platform and speaking, I was talking about when God seems late. I don't know if you, if you recall that message. If you don't, we've got a great resource. You can go on our website. You can get on your podcast app and download and listen to our messages. Flipping out, listen to last week's from Luke from Life Church. It was phenomenal. Go online and, and have a listen to that. It was great. But, but last time I was speaking, I was talking about when God seems late and I was talking from uh, the passage where, where Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because their, their brother Lazarus was sick. And, and Jesus, rather than coming straight away, he waited until Lazarus has died before he, he actually showed up to intervene in that. And, and actually, the fact that he kind of arrived late, as it, as it seemed to them, allowed him the opportunity to exceed their expectations. They were hoping for a, for a healing, and actually what they got was a resurrection. So God was able, uh, Jesus was able to exceed their expectations. But the, the reality was that, that Jesus always had a plan. And that was always his plan. It wasn't that, oh, I arrived late, so now I have to change my plan. That was his plan from the very beginning. And, and I think this kind of theme around, around the power of God has been on my heart since the back end of last year. And, you know, I preached those messages around limitless life. There's two messages that you can, you can go back through the archives and have a listen to them. And, and that message around the fact that we have access to the fullness of heaven, that the very same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us through the Holy Spirit. And we have access to that. If only we will grasp hold of that truth and begin to to walk in that, we can do the same things that, that Jesus did. You know, when we walk in step with, with God and we take kind of a firm grip of that truth that, that we do have access to this, this power in heaven, then things are going to radically change in our lives. You know, we're going to begin to see things that we've never seen before. We're going to be able to, to see things that exceed our expectations because no matter how big your expectations are, God is bigger. God is bigger. You know, we know that when Jesus was on earth, he had the power to, to heal the sick and to, to calm the storm and, and to raise the dead and to, to free people from the, the, the chains of bondage. But what it says is that at the end of John's gospel, it says that if, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain all the books that would be written because he did so much in such a short space of time. Well, that's great for Jesus, isn't it? Good for him. Well done. He was fully God. You know, so you kind of expect that level of, of I don't know, miraculous. You kind of expect that, that level of power and of authority. But what does that mean for you and for me? What does that mean for us? He was able to do all these incredible and amazing things in his short time of ministry on this earth. But what about us? What does that mean for us today. Well, it says this in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these. Well, what the heck is greater than feeding 5,000 people or walking on water or raising the dead? I have no clue, but I'm excited to see it. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
What an encouragement that passage is. What an encouragement. What, it just builds faith, doesn't it? When you read that passage, knowing what we know about the life of Jesus, we can then read those words from Scripture. And I don't know about you, for me, it builds faith that we can believe for more, that we can believe for bigger, that we can believe for better. Perhaps it gives you the faith that the restoration that you're believing for in your life will happen. Not that it might happen, but that it will happen. You know, it gives us the hope to to be able to pray bold prayers. Perhaps it, it gives us the courage to actually lay hands on the sick and not just pray from a distance and just hope something happens, but actually get out of your seat, go to that sick person and lay a hand on them, believing that God can move, believing that we can do the same as Jesus and more. But perhaps there's a level of uncertainty within your spirit this morning. Perhaps, you know, you read those words and and I get that. I totally get that. How can we expect to do what Jesus did? How can we expect to to do what he did and and even greater? I mean, that's, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It doesn't make any logical sense that we can do the same as the living God, but we have the power of God living within us through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, although it practically in our humanity doesn't make any sense, actually, If the Holy Spirit really is within us, then of course we can do it. Because it's not us doing it, it's him doing it through us. So we can really kind of grasp hold of this truth. We can really grasp hold of of that promise that, that we can do what Jesus did. And you know, if there is... Uh, a seed of doubt within your mind. You know, I want to just encourage you that, that these words are written in the Bible. It's in this book. It's not just on my printout here. It's in this book. And I believe that this book is God-breathed, that every word, every book, every chapter, every verse within here is in here for a purpose. Nothing was missed out. Nothing has been added in. This is exactly how God wanted it to be. And so when we read words from Scripture, we can believe them for what they are. We can believe them for what they are, the truth that God wants us to know. But let's just break this down a little bit to hopefully help us to kind of accept this truth, to really grasp hold of it, to really, you know, throw away any of that doubt that might still be lingering in there. You know, maybe there's this thought that actually... This, this idea that we would do the same as Jesus and even greater was just for the disciples. You know, in this moment, he's speaking to the disciples. So, so maybe that's what he was saying. You guys, you're going to do this. But that's where it ends. It stops right there. You know, you, the, the, the beginning of church, the beginning of Christianity, you're going to do incredible things. You know, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit first. So this is for you. And then it stops. And it's not for us. It's just for them. But actually the words that it says in that passage are, whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me. And that that phrase is used quite a number of times in the Bible, but no less than in the the most famous passage of scripture in the world, John 3.16, that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And we accept that as truth, don't we? So why not this? Whoever believes in me will do the same works as me and even greater. So it's not just for the disciples. It didn't end with them. It goes beyond that to whoever believes in me. And then the other two words of contention within this small passage as works and greater. What does that really mean? What is it really saying to us? Well, works throughout scripture refers to the miraculous. It refers to signs. It refers to wonders, the supernatural. The works of Jesus point to the Father. That's their purpose. He didn't come as some wizard to do some fancy magic tricks that looked cool and made everyone go, wow. I mean, I'm sure they did, but that wasn't their purpose. It wasn't to entertain. It was to point to the Father. Look, this guy was sick and and I arrived late, apparently. But now instead of healing, I'm going to raise him for the dead, not because I want to be glorified, but that the Father should be glorified through this action. It's not the power of of me, it's the power of God at work through me. So that's works. Works is talking about the supernatural. Everything that Jesus did, all his works, all his actions, were to point to the Father so that the lost can be saved, so that the unbelievers can know the truth. So what about this word greater? Because it makes no sense to me. How can we do greater than what we know Jesus did? You know, I can't imagine miracles that are greater than that. Can you? I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm only human, so maybe there is something that's, that's greater than raising the dead or saving the whole of humanity. Maybe there's something bigger than that and we've just not quite realized it yet, but it doesn't make sense to me. So the only kind of rational understanding of this word greater is that it's talking about volume, because that would make sense. Okay, because Jesus was here for a period and he did some incredible things, but we'll do greater than him. So maybe as a collective, what the, the scripture is saying is that we'll do more in terms of number than he did. But that doesn't make sense either because the particular word that it says, the particular kind of translation is talking about more substantial. It's talking about more significant. It's not talking about more numerous. So I'm lost. So I'm sorry if you came here for a conclusion because I've not got one. I don't understand what this is saying. But it's definitely not talking about numerous. It's talking about kind of more substantial and more significant. That's what it's saying. So we can be bold in that. We can have faith in that because Jesus says that we're going to do even greater than him. But let me give you some some encouragement because there's no conclusion from from that word. Even if you're talking about volume and not substance, whichever side of that argument you fall on or if you want to sit on the fence, that's fine. He says... Let me just find it. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So even if we're not doing greater, we're still going to do the same that he did. We're still going to do the same that he did. So we can believe for everything that we read about Jesus doing in our lives. Does that not get you excited? 
it gets me excited because it means that we can do some flipping amazing stuff. But not because we want to be glorified, but because we want to point to the Father. So I think it's safe to say that we should be expected to walk in a life that includes the supernatural. We should be walking in a life that that is surrounded by the supernatural. So I've entitled my message this morning, Creating an Atmosphere for Miracles. And I want to preface this with just, just a little bit of clarity that I'm not encouraging us to chase after an experience or a feeling. I'm not encouraging us to chase after miracles because miracles are cool. I'm not looking for us to chase that that warm, fuzzy feeling when you pray for someone and something happens and it, it makes you feel good because that's not what it's about. That's not at all what it's about. It's all an arrow pointing to the Father. That is the only reason that the supernatural will come because we're pointing to the Father. Look how great He is, not me. Look how great he is, not me. But I do believe that the miraculous should be a part of our everyday life. I I have not seen it even nearly enough. I have not seen it even nearly enough in my life or in this church. But I believe that it should be part of our everyday lives which is why I've kind of built on that foundation at the beginning of the year around Limitless Life to hopefully, hopefully just just embed something within us that grasps hold of that truth that we can walk in the power and authority of heaven. And then out of this, let's try to understand how we can create this atmosphere to allow the supernatural to move. Does that sound good? I hope it's not scary. I hope it's exciting because I am excited, can you tell? The Great Commission is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, but the same message is also recorded in Mark 16. And Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That is a challenge on each and every one of our lives. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, that is a message directly to you, to go and preach the good news to everyone. And then anyone who believes is to be baptized and will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And that's kind of where where, um, Matthew ends. But Mark goes on to record something extra and he says this. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, they won't be hurt. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So they heard this call from Jesus, this this, uh, commission placed on their lives to go and preach the good news. And they did exactly that. They went everywhere preaching the good news of God. But what followed the preaching? People got saved. Yes, they did. But it was confirmed by signs and wonders. It was confirmed by the miraculous at work on earth. Jesus had gone. 
He'd gone to heaven. He'd gone to be in his rightful place with the Father. And the miraculous was still happening on earth. It didn't end with Jesus and it doesn't end with the disciples. This life is for us. Now, I'm not saying that you should be like the crazy Americans and you should go handling snakes for fun or drinking poison for fun. Please don't do that and say, John told me to, because that is not what I'm saying here. But it does say in Acts later on that Paul was bitten by a deadly snake and he didn't die. So I think actually what that little sentence is saying is actually just an encouragement of God's protection on his believers. That he's just saying, do you know what? If you go about living this great commission, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep you safe because you're walking in my plan for your life. But the focus on here and the reason that I'm sharing this passage this morning is that the miraculous follows the preaching of the gospel. These signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will support and will confirm what it is that we speak out. And they'll help people who are, who are kind of hearing to feel hope, to feel assured, to get this idea that actually it's not just words coming from a guy on a platform's mouth, it's truth because there's no way that he could do this stuff that he's doing. Miraculous helps to confirm the truth in what we speak. So how do we go about creating an atmosphere for miracles? How do we begin to, to see more of that in our lives? I don't know about you, but I want to see that. I want to see more of that in my life. I know that God can. I know it up here. I've read it in scripture. I know that God can do the miraculous, but I haven't seen it even nearly enough in my life. I've not seen it. So all I want to do and all I can do is to allow him the space to move. To say, do you know what? I'm just going to get out of the way. If that's what needs to happen, I'll take a sidestep and you just come to the forefront and you do what only you can do. Because I can't do this in my strength. It's all about you. So with the time that I've got left, what I want to do is speak into this, into this title and just pull out five points around how we can create this atmosphere for miracles. And I'm going to do that from a passage in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. It says this, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing him tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. 
And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. My first point is this, that miracles happen in desperate circumstances. You know, the situation here is unlike the situation I talked about with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, because they called for Jesus when he was sick. They called for Jesus when there was still some hope. But the circumstance that we are faced with here is already way beyond that. Tabitha is dead. Tabitha's dead. So this circumstance is absolutely dire. There was a crisis. There was a need. There has to be a need before a miracle can take place. Miracles happen in desperate circumstances. And I think it's important that we grasp hold of this first point because sometimes we can read words like in John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And some of us are maybe sitting there now with a little gleam in our eye or a little cheeky grin on our faces. If I ask anything in your name, you'll do it. Anything. Okay. God, I would like a holiday to Florida for me and my family so that I can go to Disney and Universal and just go to the beach and, you know, have a great time with my family in the sun. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bring it on. Ruth's car's a bit rubbish. <laughs> I would love a brand new Kia Sportage. Now, I'm not greedy. I'm not asking for a Mercedes or an Audi here. I would love a Kia Sportage, brand new, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say it with me. Amen. Yeah, you all agree. I heard it. Those words, the promise that we can ask anything in Jesus' name has to be used in context. It has to be taken in the context of what comes before. It says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, if I get a holiday to Florida... He's going to be glorified, isn't he? Because I've prayed it right here. If I get a new car, he's going to be glorified. But, you know, when we pray, we've got to pray not out of a selfish desire. You know, we may want for stuff. We all want for stuff. Don't deny it. We all want something in life that perhaps we can't get on our own. So maybe we do throw up a cheeky prayer about stuff like that, and that is absolutely fine. You know, we prayed so specifically about a house and a holiday in 2017. And we got both of those things. And God is incredible because we would not have got those things on our own. So he is glorified in that. Because I stood on the platform and said, this is why I did it again. I stood on the platform and said, I'm praying for these things. <laughs> and we got them so God could be glorified. Florida, here we come. <laughs> But God is not some genie that we can ask wishes from. We can't rub some magic lamp and out pops Holy Spirit and we go, all right, mate, I got some things I'm after. Is it just three we get? Can I wish for an extra wish? 
It has to be in order to glorify the Father. It has to be in order for us to confirm the good news of the gospel. Go and preach the good news to all the people. Go and preach the good news to all the people. And the miraculous signs and wonders will follow to confirm that, to support that, to add weight to the words that you're speaking. So here we have a real need, a serious situation. Tabitha had become ill. She'd lived a great life, it said. We don't know exactly what she did, but it said she was full of great works and acts of charity. And then she became ill. And then she died. There was a need. There was a crisis. A desperate circumstance that would have any one of us crying out to God for help. There was a need first before the miracle could happen. So firstly, miracles happen in desperate circumstances. And secondly, miracles happen when expectancy rises. You know, you may have noticed that, that I often start the service with, are you expectant this morning? It's no coincidence that the passage that Ruth read was talking about expectancy rising. Because it's so important, our attitude and the way we approach God is vitally important. You know, we talk about worship and about praise being the entrance and the, and the gateway to the very presence of God. And in his presence, incredible things can happen. Because if we're trying to do stuff in our own strength, we will fall and we will fail. But if we try to do things through the power of God at work in us, then we can believe that it will happen. We can believe that he can do it through us not because of anything within us, but because it's all him at work through us. So we need to make sure that we're approaching the throne room with an expectant heart, with an expectant spirit. Worship comes first and then breakthrough can follow. But who knows that sometimes entering into worship can be a challenge. Ruth shared this image on Facebook. I don't know if we can get this image up on, uh, on the screen Whoever wrote Easy Like Sunday Morning obviously never had to get kids ready for church. I don't know about you parents out there, but Sunday mornings are hard. We play this game called Getting Dressed, and it takes four hours. Oh, it's like, do you want to get your shoes on? No, I want to play. I'm running around. And it, oh, my gosh. It's just it's a, it's a battle every Sunday morning. Something's going on that it's just like pulling. I'm trying to be just focused. You know, this morning... I was like, I need to focus, I'm, I'm speaking, speaking big, I'm speaking about the supernatural, I've got to get focused, I've got to get my head in the game. And so I'm praying in the lounge and the kids come running in, can we, I had some worship music on, we got um, uh, Google home, so I've already said, okay Google, play me some worship music, and he obliged, very, very kindly, obliged, she, she, she. Then Caleb comes in, okay Google, Play some rock music. <laughs> like, ordinarily, you go, son. But this morning, <laughs> I just need to be focused. So Fleetwood Mac starts playing, and I'm like, come on, let's get back to elevation. So I'm fighting with him. Okay, Google, play some worship music. <laughs> okay, Google, play some rock. I'm not kidding, this happened this morning. It's ridiculous. I'm trying to get my head in the game because I know that if my head's not in the game, then I'm not going to meet with God. 
And you know, you can be in the car on the way to church and you're fighting all the way from the minute you wake up until the minute you get into the church car park and if people can see through your tinted windows, they'd see you yelling at the kids, sit down, shut up, for goodness sake. And then the church doors open. (laughs) Morning, everyone. It's great to see you. We put our church faces on and it's all good. But it's not just parents that have that struggle, is it, you know? If you don't have kids, you know, maybe your alarm went off late and you spilt your coffee on your favorite shirt and you're running late. And I don't know, there's all kinds of things that can get in the way of our journey to worship. There's all kinds of things that can, can become a barrier when we're trying to approach the throne. But we need to come expectant. We need to come expecting that God can move. It's so important. You know, we know in our minds that he can do incredible things. We know it in our minds, but do we believe it in our spirit? When we're praying for breakthrough, when we're praying for for restoration, when we're praying for healing and and miracles, are we praying out of a, a head knowledge or are we praying out of an expectant heart? Do we ask because we, we know he can? Or do we ask because we believe he will? You know, the situation with, with Tabitha was desperate. She wasn't just ill, she was dead. But it says in verse 38 that the disciples, hearing that Peter was nearby, sent two men to him, urging him, please come without delay. In this desperate circumstance that they were in, in this hopeless situation that they were faced with, they didn't call for an undertaker, they called for Peter. They called for a man of God. There was something within them, there must have been something within them that was expectant that God could still move in this situation. You know, the logical thing for them to have done was to begin to prepare the body for burial. That's the logical thing for them to have done. But there must have been a level of expectation rising up within their spirits to call for Peter. Tell him to come and tell him to come as quick as he can. Because God's going to do something in this place. If I'm a little bit honest, I'm not sure why they didn't just pray themselves. Because Peter's no, no more special than them. If you've got faith that God can move, you don't need a magic man to come and help you. Just pray yourself. But they called for Peter, and that's okay. They called for Peter to come. They had the faith to believe that Tabitha's story wasn't over yet, that God wasn't done with her. So they called for help. They called out of a place of expectancy. And this is why our praise reports are so important. Please, you know, I encourage you again, fill those in because when we hear testimonies of God's goodness in the house, it builds faith. It helps to to encourage us with our own level of expectancy. God can do it for them. He can do it for me. When we hear those testimonies, it just continues to build faith and hope and expectancy. What situation are you facing this morning? What's your desperate circumstance? Do you speak into that situation out of a place of knowing that God can step in or believing that he will? 
Are you coming from a place of knowing or believing? Because they are two very different places. Are you expectant this morning? I hope so. Miracles happen in desperate circumstances. Miracles happen when expectancy rises. And number three, miracles happen when negative influence is removed. Do you know any, any negative people? You got any naysayers in your friendship circle? The kind of people that would only see something going wrong and not see a potential positive outcome. I think we've all got someone like that in our lives. You know, I'm a bit of an oddball. You don't need to agree so easily, Gary. <laughs> but it's true, because on the one hand, I'm super practical. I'm super practical. And, and Ruth will tell you that. You know, when I'm presented with a, with a challenge or with a difficult situation, I'll often find the practical reason as to why it's not going to work. I'll often find the, the, the obvious reality of why this idea is going to fail. Let me just lay, okay, that's great, I hear what you're saying. Let me just lay out the facts. We haven't got any money. That's usually it. So we'll just leave it. <laughs> so Ruth will come up with an idea and I'll be like, it's not going to work because of this, this, and this. But then on the other hand, even with that practical knowledge, I've made some pretty stupid and reckless decisions because something within me believed, believed the best. The best is yet to come. We say that a lot, so I'm going to walk in that. So sometimes I'm this super practical person that's like, heck no, never going to work, don't even bother. And then on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go for it. You know, I believe in a God who can come through. I believe in God who can bring breakthrough and can bring, make a way where there is absolutely no way, so let's go for it. I'm like this split personality, but... You know, when you face challenging situations, it's often the voices that speak negativity that are speaking the loudest. It's often that the voices that are, that are saying no way, that it's impossible, that there's absolutely no chance of this happening are the ones that for some reason stick in our hearts. You know, you could have just one person saying something negative into your life and, and five people telling you, you can do it, you're incredible, God is good. But this one person is the one that you're going to remember. Why is that? It's the negativity that sticks with us. And Ruth already shared with you about kind of our journey. And, it, you know, she asked me yesterday, can I share something of this? I'm like, I've already got it written down. You go for it. Save me some time. <laughs> so, you know, I, I am practical. So, you know, when I felt in my spirit and when Ruth was talking to me about, about quitting my job, I'm like, heck No. We've got a family, we've got a mortgage. There's just, there's no way. I, I know God can do this. I know that God can come through, but no flipping way am I taking that risk. And that's horrible for a pastor to say, isn't it? No flipping way am I taking that step. It's too big. It's too big. Just being honest with you here, this is where I was at. And so Ruth was kind of, she wasn't saying you need to quit your job, you need to, you know. But she, we were just talking around stuff and how, you know, church needs more, needs more time than I can give with, with the way things are split. And, and I got that, and it was so true. And then something within my spirit began to change, and, and my heart towards that began to soften. But still, I'm, I'm practical, and I'm like, I can't do this. It's too big a risk. And thank God for his graciousness. 
thank God for his graciousness because when I was called in to my boss's office and she kind of make it sound like she was kicking me out, it was, an, it was an offer. It was like, take it or leave it. You don't need to. She knows the journey that I'm on. My boss, who is not a Christian, by the way, she knows the journey I'm on. And she said, if this will help you, you can take these four months to, to do what you need to do and your job will be here afterwards. I didn't have to take it. It wasn't a get out. We don't want you anymore. I believe that they love me and they want me. They still send me messages. We miss you. It's okay. But I, God knew that I needed that security because I wasn't quite ready yet to just leap off the cliff. I needed a harness. I needed a rope to hold on to. And now I'm in it. I know it was the right decision. God is so flipping gracious. He's so good to us. So if the voices around you are saying, you know, how are you going to afford to live? How are you going to afford to do this? You're going to, you're going to get yourself into debt. You know, they're the voices that would have clung into my mind, but thankfully I did not have voices like that speaking into my life. And when Peter entered this, entered this situation, he was surrounded by widows just weeping and crying and mourning and and look at this amazing thing that she did when she was alive. And, oh, we're so sad that she's gone. And it's totally understandable for them to have been in that place of mourning and sadness. But Peter had other ideas. He wasn't ready to, to put on his black clothes and, and get down on his knees in mourning. So he asked them to leave. You guys need to just get out because God's going to move. And God's not going to move while you're in here wailing and crying and regretting that she's gone. You've got to get out. So he kicked them out. That's the very first thing he did when he arrived. The very first thing he did, he asked them to leave. You negative people, you naysayers, get out. God's going to do something. And Jesus faced the same situation, didn't he, when, when he was called to the house of Jairus. Because Jairus' daughter had died, and rather than speaking to, to Jairus out of a place of hope and, and a place of expectancy, the guy who came running to him said, stop bothering the teacher, she's dead. Stop bothering him anymore, she's dead. And so when he got to, to the house of Jairus, he, and he said that she's not dead, she's just sleeping, all the people in the room laughed at him and made fun of him and mocked him for what he'd said. So what did he do? He kicked them out. You guys get out. If you're not going to believe that I can come through in this, get out. Get out. So he kicked them out and then he spoke. And he called out the girl. He said, come out. And she flipping came out. Miracles happen when negative influence is removed. And then number four, miracles happen when someone looks up. In verse 40, it says that Peter put them all outside, he kicked them out, and then he knelt down and prayed. I'm not going to dwell on this uh, too long because, you know, we covered this in, in the second message on the limitless life. This is, this is the posture of prayer that I was talking about. If you don't remember that bit of the message, let me remind you, you know, there's a study about, about a posture, a superhero posture. Do you remember now? We all stood like this for a while and that was fun. Because actually there's something in standing in a powerful pose that gives you courage. Well, posture is important. And a posture of prayer 
is where breakthrough will begin to happen. So if you don't remember that, then go back and listen to that message because it will impact you. But a posture of prayer helps to, helps to fix our eyes on God. It helps to take our eyes off the reality and the practicalness of the situation that we're facing, and it fixes our eyes on the only solution, on the only solution. When we assume a posture of prayer, we have our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. If we want to see God's power manifest in our lives today, we need to assume a posture of prayer. We're nearly there. Well done for sticking with me. Number one, miracles happen in desperate circumstances. Number two, miracles happen when expectancy rises. Number three, miracles happen when negative influence is removed. Four, miracles happen when someone looks up. And then number five, miracles happen when faith speaks. Miracles happen when faith speaks. You see, those first four points wouldn't have brought the miracle. Those first four points wouldn't have brought the miracle. It was only when Peter turned to the dead body of Tabitha and spoke the words, Tabitha, arise. It was then that she sat up. It was only then was she resurrected because faith spoke. He held out his hand to her, it says, and she got up. You know, praying is so important and don't, don't hear what I'm not saying here. Faith, praying is incredibly important. But faith needs to be put into action if we want to see the fruit of God's power manifest in our life. You know, Jesus spoke in his time and healing came when he told the lame man to get up and take your mat and go home. Jesus spoke when he calmed the storm. Jesus spoke when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. You know, the centurion spoke words of faith to Jesus when he said, you just need to say it and it'll be done. That was the centurion speaking in faith. And then Jesus spoke in faith in return and the centurion's child was healed. Servant, not child. But time and time again, people speak out in faith throughout scripture. They speak out in faith and miracles happen. You know, when people act, when people move in faith. Faith is not a, a passive word. Faith is a verb. It's a doing word. It's something that we need to act on. It's something we need to do. And when we step out in faith, miracles happen. You need to step out of the boat. You need to pour water in the jars. You need to lay hands on the sick. And then miracles will happen when we speak and when we act in faith. You know, James 2.17 says that, that faith without actions is dead. So what are you believing for this morning? In what area of your life are you praying for, for restoration in? Are you facing a desperate circumstance and you need God to step in? You know, as we close, I want to uh, allow some time. I've, I've gone on a bit, a bit longer than I should and I'm sorry for that, but but there's no point in bringing a message like this if we're not going to allow some space for God to move. So we're going to put some music on now, guys. Um, and, and if you don't want prayer, that's fine. I know we've already done a bit of praying, but you can never have too much prayer. 
So if this morning that's you and you're believing for, for something and it's not yet happened or, or you're facing a, a desperate circumstance and you need God to step in, then why don't you just come forward and the leaders will pray with you and we'll stand with you in faith because we believe in the power of God. And I don't want to rush that this morning. So the, the coffee bar is open. You go and help yourself to tea and coffee and cakes if you want to. But if you want some prayer, come forward and we're going to stand with you, believing every word that I've spoken this morning, every word that God laid on my heart to share, that we can believe in the transforming power of God when we step out in faith. Let me just pray and then, and then I'll release you to do whatever you want to do from that. Lord God, we just thank you that you are so good. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your graciousness. Lord God, I thank you in my life that you know exactly what I need in order to step out. And I pray this morning that whatever needs are being faced by those in the room and, and, and those listening online, that, that you'll meet us exactly where we need you. That we won't need to, to fight or to battle or to, to struggle to, to, to step into your goodness, but that it will be easy. That it will be easy for us to just, just fall into your arms of love, to fall into your arms of grace, to, to just be surrounded by all of you. And so I just thank you that, that we can believe that, that you will bring the, the miraculous and that we can begin to see more signs and wonders in our lives, not so that we can be glorified in any way, but so that you can be glorified, so that your name can be made famous throughout this, uh, this community, this nation, and this world. That's what we ask for. And we're going to continue to preach the gospel in your name. We're going to continue to speak truth into the people around us in your name. And we're going to continue to ask boldly for things in your name so that you may be glorified.